Hello and welcome to episode 25 of the officially unofficial Def Leppard fan podcast, Def Leppard. Now, episode 25 was supposed to be a deep dive into the slang song, Blood Runs Cold. However, Def Leppard have gone and blown out of the water in very welcome and glorious fashion. Mark the date, everyone, the 17th of March, 2022, year of our Lord. Def Leppard have released their first single from an album in seven years, and that is the song Kick. And not only that, they have announced the release of a new album coming out on the 27th of May, Diamond Star Halos, with no less than 15, yes, 15 new songs on it. So instead, Def Leppard 25 is an impromptu, completely unedited, and possibly slightly chaotic and overexcited instant reaction to one, the new single, and to the album announcement. So my name is Neil Poole. I'm here in the Sparkle Lounge. And joining me is Paul Burns, a young man alone in a budget hotel in the King's Cross area of London. Make of that what you will, Death Leopard friends. And Paul, I'm not going to knob about here. No small talk. Let's get straight into it. Tell me, how did you hear the song Kick? For the very first time today and what were your very very first impressions on that initial listen didn't hear it live because i was working so i was then traveling on a train and i desperately had to scramble for making sure i had a decent enough 4g signal to be able to go back and rewind the zoe ball show on radio 2 here in the uk and so that took me ages on the train that i was on it then took me even longer to actually find the part of the three-hour show in which the song was actually broadcast but so I then was able to listen to it through headphones on the train about an hour and a half after it had initially landed. So I'd read about an hour and a half's worth of Twitter feedback on it. And my initial impression was not as universally glowing as everybody else. But before everybody gets the pitchforks out for me, I will hopefully be able to contextualize that in this conversation. And hopefully, by the time we get to the end of this podcast, we'll all be friends again. And I will be able to explain what's happened through the course of the day. Okay, excellent. I also heard this. So for anyone who's not entirely sure, the world premiere of the song was actually on the Zoe Ball Breakfast Show on Radio 2 in the UK this morning. And you played it at 10 to 8, or just after 10 to 8. Now, it's the first time Paul I've listened to like breakfast radio and certainly BBC Breakfast Radio, um, maybe ever, <laughs> to be honest, it's not something I would normally listen to. But anyway, I timed it with my drive to work, that just as I was pulling up outside work, uh, it came on. And when it came on as well, as well as the actual playing the song itself, there was a little introduction from Joe Elliott, where we got some information about it. It was, it was just lovely to hear Joe's voice. Oh, and by the way, when the song came on, Paul, I actually I pulled over because I thought I, I just I need to pull over and um, give this my full attention. Now I had a slightly strange experience of it because in my car I've got quite an old car. It's not a very good car, Paul. Um, and only the the speaker in the right right hand side door works. So I I heard a very mono ver- <laughs> version of the song. But what I can say is the sun 
was coming through. I obviously had to spring on my step because I was going into work to make a difference and indirectly save lives. And then you hear Joe's voice telling us it's the first single. We find out that it's being put together entirely remotely, the song and the album to come. And we also find out from um, Paul, from Joe's introduction, that this was the very last song that was written for the Diamond Star Halos album. And in that way, it's very much similar to something like Paul from Sugar On Me, which was the last song that was put on. And then obviously that became a big hit. Hopefully Kick will become um, a big hit as well. So I listened to it. Um, what, what I would ask you then, okay, in terms of when you first heard it, it was the type of song I was expecting, okay? Because of the whole, the, the build-up to it, which we'll talk about in a minute, and, the, you know, the Diamond Star Halo, which is obviously from the T-Rex song, and, and the idea that at least some parts of this album are going to be 70s-inspired and glam-inspired, and we know we know Def Leppard are into them. You, I did get a sense that this first song might be of that, like, have a nod to that, that glam 70s era. So when it first came on, I was like, Okay, this is what I thought it would be. Um, is it what you were expecting? Um, regardless of what your first impressions were in terms of your opinion of it, is it what you were expecting or was it a different type of song to what you were expecting? Very much what I was expecting on the back of the build-up campaign and the social media campaign. Everything got given away by the title, didn't it? The Diamond Star Halos title. I don't. There weren't many people out there who didn't draw immediately that line to T-Rex. Or again, for the US listeners, Tyrannosaurus Rex, I think they were given the full title in the US. Is that correct? I think they were, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, So it was an easy line to draw. I I must, on that first listen as well, I must just reference back to something you just said about listening on BBC Breakfast Radio, because I'm exactly the same. I've not listened to BBC Breakfast Radio since Chris Evans was on Radio 1 in circa Hmm. 1995-ish. So what happened was, when that voice note was played from Joe... It was as lovely as it is to hear Joe's voice. What they opted to do was play it over the introduction. So a large part of the experience of listening to the song was immediately removed. And then the DJ, Zoe Ball, she spoke over the outro of the song as well towards the end of the broadcast. And then later on, when it was released on Spotify, it became quite clear that actually this was a, a radio edit version we'd heard as well. So there were actual differences with what would appear on the on the album version. So it became clear to me quite quickly why perhaps my first impression hadn't been as great as I would have wanted it to have been, if you like. And brought back to the original sort of question around it being a the type of song that we would have expected to hear, I don't hide the fact that I am not a big glam rock fan. It's odd that obviously Def Leppard's whole thing, and particularly Joe, he's all about British 70s glam rock, which is amazing. They informed my favourite band's music, but I, I never put a T-Rex album on. I never listened to a Slade album, never listened to a Sweet album. It's just not something that I would ever do. So, yeah, part of my reaction was, oh, this is a bit far in the glam direction for my taste so that again informed my first impression so i hope i'm contextualizing the first impression for people who didn't want to hear someone come on with a little sort of thumbs in the middle opinion trust me again stick with me it'll be fine by the time we get to the end but i hope i'm contextualizing it somewhat 
Yeah, we can put everyone's mind at ease now. Don't worry, very, very soon we're both going to go on about how much we really love this song and how we're absolutely made up with it. And it's uh, it's great. But we're trying to take you on a journey here of the day. It's been an exciting day for Def Leppard fans. In fact, it's been an exciting sort of 10 days, um, the build-up to all of this, which we'll talk about um, in a minute, Paul. And I think when I first heard it today, the first two songs or first two Def Leppard songs that came into my head in terms of, okay, this is the ballpark we're in, in of Def Leppard songs. Because obviously there's a great variety of types of Def Leppard songs. But the first two songs that came into my head when I heard this was today was Come On, Come On of Songs from the Sparkle Lounge and Back in Your Face of the Euphoria album. So they're the two really obvious glam pop 70s songs in the Def Leppard catalogue that are original songs. Um, and I was like, okay, we're in that field. Um, and I love Come On, Come On. And I like Back In Your Face. So my first listen to it when it came on was, right, this is much closer to Come On, Come On. Okay, And like you, I was like, I was quite annoyed. I couldn't get to where the stars and I couldn't uh, near the end. And I was like, and there's no guitar solo. That's a, that's a little bit weird. But I was like, straight away, I thought, and actually Zoe Ball said this. Uh, she used she used the words earworm um, after this song for this. And I was like, yeah, because you heard it once. And <laughs> that, you know, kick, kick, kick. I mean, he's like immediately like sort of stuck in your head, but stuck in your head in a good way. And I was like, all right, this is good. And I, I will just say, my very first impressions and i think it's always important where you hear a song and what context you hear a song and i think we just discussed before like to me Def Leppard are a summer band you know because the very first time i heard the stereo was on a little tape i was in a beefer and i was driving around in the back of my dad's car and my headphones on so Def Leppard to me are a sunny band and today you know even though it's not that warm blue skies sun cracking of flags pulled up light shining through the car and this just like sort of, um, I saw a gentleman called Mark Cookson on um, Facebook say this, this foot stomper, foot stomper of a song came on. Just un- unadulterated party song, a fun song. And God, do we need that at the moment in terms of what's going on in the world and everything. And the sun's coming in. And I was just like, yes, Def Leppard, this is exactly what the world needs right now. It's a, a fun fun song so let's get to you paul you've now had the chance to give it a few listens uh, and listen to the proper version on the streaming um platforms that are out there so now that you've had a proper listen to it throughout the day how many times have you listened to it about would you say six i've counted it six so you've listened to it six times i'm similar i reckon i'm probably around six seven eight because we're, we're recording this as soon as we've had um, a chance. So I've called it an instant reaction episode. You know, the song is probably being out like, on platforms for about five hours at this point. But I've got a job to think- we, we 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 have we we have people to feed all the earth, definitely. So we, we've listened, we both listened to it five or six times. Um, I'm going to just open the floor up to you to say what you want now about this song and what you think of it. Um, on repeated listens 
the earworm thing landed immediately. So even though my first response, I think I was a bit too focused on the glam thing and I was very focused on the lack of a guitar solo. I don't know, US listeners, I know we've got people from other parts of the world. It's not just the UK and the US, but I know it launched in the US on, I believe, Sirius FM or Sirius XFM, whatever it's called. I don't know what version was played on in the US end. So I was left so disappointed by the not being a guitar solo on that original version. So the radio version, I listened to twice because I listened to it immediately. And like you said, it hooked in my brain. I thought, well, that tells you straight away there is something there. Don't allow yourself to get fixated on the glam thing. Go with the, the hook. So when I first got the Spotify version, I sat and I listened to it because I thought the bridge straight away, I thought the bridge was brilliant. Straight, that's my That was my favourite part of the song straight away. I thought it was fantastic. When I listened back on Spotify, I was able to count what I thought were three separate hook areas in yeah. the song. There's the bridge, there's the I don't want to kick, kick, there's that bit, and then there's the na-na-na section. Yeah. So I was like, there's three separate hook sections here. If that's not typical Def Leppard, and if that's not what you're wanting from Def Leppard, then what what did you want, Paul? Is kind of the conversation <laughs> I was having with myself. So it, it's safe to say that it immediately started to grow. And I ended up, to satisfy my frustration at what happened on Radio 2, I ended up basically playing 10 seconds of the Spotify version, went back and played 10 seconds of the Radio 2 version. And I did that essentially throughout the whole song to try and find what what went wrong here on the Radio 2 broadcast in my head. And it was the introduction, the loss of the introduction immediately. I understand why they would have Joe talking over it. That's a classic radio trope. You have the intro of the song. It reminded me, Neil, of uh, remember like in the 80s and 90s where you would try and tape off the chart show. You, whatever your favorite yeah, song, yeah, yeah. DJ yeah. would always talk over the intro and the outro. Yeah. You always missed at least a quarter of of songs and shorter songs. It was a third. So, get, getting to the main version, the proper version, really made an absolutely huge difference to me. And that's where I've kind of come gone from with it throughout the course of the day. I've been able to put aside the the glam thing. And I've been able to embrace the album, but what I presume is the album version is what we've got on Spotify. And I've been mm. able to embrace the album version and park the edit that I heard on Radio 2 this morning. And it's become a completely different experience for me. I think you're right about the, the hearing the introduction is really important because it starts, it starts with like the bar chords, like, you know, like, so not the riff, but like the rhythm, you know, you got the rhythm guitar. And then after the rhythm guitar, the riff that comes in foreshadows the melody of the verse. It's the same. So, like, you know, the melody of the verse is the same of the um, the riff that comes in after the sort of first few bars of, of bar chords or whatever. So that's really important that you hear it in that way because you've got one level, then you add another level with the riff, and then you add the other level with the lyric with the lyrics and the melody, which then actually is so it builds. So it's really important that you hear that to get, uh, you know, yeah. sort of Completely the flavour of the song. And the thing is as well, how Def Leppard is that? The layering yeah. of the sound. So again, the more and more I, I was listening to it, the more and more I was able to say, it's a Def Leppard song. It so clearly is a Def Leppard song. It's doing all the things you would want a Def Leppard song to do. 
So, yeah, that again, the layering of the sound was really important. And I must say the, the overall sound, because I think until 2015, they struggled a little bit to identify what Def Leppard sound like in the 21st century. The 2015 album is a wonderful album. It's yeah, absolutely yeah. Brilliant. brilliant. And they've, from the sounds of what we've had here, they've retained that type yeah. of sound. They've very much not done a Sparkle Lounge. They've clearly not done an X. They've decided this is what Def Leppard sound like in the 21st century. And that, again, I was able to get into a place where I'm like, no, that is something that's to celebrate. Absolutely. Yeah, definitely. Um, what I've seen from a little bit of... Um... Now that there's a little bit of a summary about the album and a little bit of a sort of background to it, um, what you can read if you go on one of the, um, you know, <laughs> a, a shopping um, websites, shall we call it, and it gives you a little a, a little synopsis of the album. It talks about having a couple of like stadium anthems on it, and one of those stadium anthems being this song, Kick. And oh my God, is that true? That is because like everything about it in terms of, like the the way in which the verse has got that classic death, like it doesn't sound like Boston Sugar on me. It doesn't sound like um, Let's Go or something like that. But it has that thing where um, you have you've got the rhythm, and then you've got the gaps, and then the, the the vocals go in those gaps as such. So you know, like the vocals are at the forefront, and then like the guitars are, are added and things like that. So you've just got that general thing, but you've got it sounds to me. Whether it was or not, it feels to me like a song that is just born to play live. I mean, it, I mean, we're in the UK, so unfortunately we're not going to get to go to these stadium shows in the US this year. But I mean, it sounds to me like it'd be a great opener because there's so much good stuff in there. I mean, you've obviously got the, the sing-along chorus that everyone knows already. I'm not going to sing it, but it's already really, really uh, catchy. Uh, like you said, you've got your you got your na 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 bit. You know, who, who doesn't love who doesn't love a na 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 bit? There's actually as well. There's a whoa 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 bit in there as well, Paul. <laughs> I don't know, yeah. So 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 you know, you, you, you've got the catchy chorus. You got a whoa 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 bit. You got a na 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 bit, and as well as that, what you've also got is you've got a bit where you know the. Uh, You've got hand claps in there as well by the sounds of it. And then you've also got a bit where, you know, all of the instruments just drop out and it's just the, it's just the drums and the vocals, which exactly is, you can imagine a stadium and everyone doing a sing-along uh, to that bit um, and what have you. So it's absolutely, I think the rights on that, it's made, it's, it's, it sounds made to play live. And it's great that they're going to get to play this song live. I would, surely they're going to play this um, live. Um, in the summer and then hopefully they'll tour beyond that and we'll all get to hear it um, around the world so yeah absolutely um, brilliant can I ask you Paul how do you think this compares as a fair single from a Def Leppard album as compared to what the other sort of fair singles have been and maybe what does that tell us about what we can maybe gauge from what this album's going to be like. So just, just to help you out off the top of my head, I'll go backwards. I'm sure people will tell me if I get this um, <laughs> get this wrong. So off this self-titled Def Leppard album in 2015, the first single was Let's Go. Off songs from the Sparkle Lounge 2008, it was um, Nine, Lives. Nine Lives. Yeah, Nine Lives. Off, well, we won't count yet. Um, off the... <laughs> No, 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 not in a bad way. I just, I mean, I was just thinking original albums. I'm just thinking original albums. Off the X album in 2002, we had Now, 
God, this this is difficult. 1998 or nine, we've got Euphoria and we've got Promises. Before that, you've got Slang and that's got um, the actual song Slang is the first. I shouldn't have done this backwards. I should have done this forward. We do count Retroactive. Retroactive had Two Steps Behind. I think it was the first single off that. Adrenalize had Let's Get Rocked. Hysteria had Animal here in the UK, Women in the US. Pyromania had Photograph. High and Dry had Let It Go. And On Through the Night had Wasted. Okay, so I hope I've got all of them right and we've proven our Def Leppard credentials um, there. <laughs> so where does this rank? As if, I mean, I know we've only heard it today. You've only heard it five or six songs and this opinion really could change very, very easily, you know, over the, you know, even by the end of today or, or, or over the next few days. Well, how would you compare it? Where does this rank in terms of first single off original album compared to maybe what, what we've had before? What does it tell us? It strikes me, first of all, from that list that Slang was a bit of a strange lead single, wasn't it? Because it's the one song on that yeah. album that doesn't sound like the rest of it to, yeah. you know, to a point. So that one struck me as a bit strange. I don't think that's happening on this occasion. I, it, you know, like we said, with the title and what have you, they're wearing it on their sleeve, aren't they? So evidently it's not as immediate as Photograph or as immediate as Animal I know women, when it was released in the US, sank pretty much without a trace. So I suppose, yeah. arguably, straight away, it's done a better job than animal, than women did for Hysteria. When I looked at this earlier today, I was thinking as well, Now, which is a song that, I, you know, I think it's kind of middling, but Now was a little bit of a hit in the UK. It really did okay as a single in the UK. So in terms of how it's supporting the album, it's difficult to sort of place them as songs at this point, obviously. I mean, because, you know, how on earth would I rank Photograph against uh, women or animal, for example? Mm. Uh, and I love Let's Get Rocked. I absolutely adore Let's yeah. Get Rocked. So it's it's difficult. I, I think I'd put it kind of on a par. Maybe it's in the sort of Let's Get Rocked area. Let's say it's yeah. in that kind of area. Definitely a better lead off than Slang. It's a better song than Now. It's is it a better is it a better song than Let's Go, Neil? I think it's the best first single off an album since now. I really like now. Um, as you know, I've actually done a full episode on now. So I mean, I tend not to do full episodes that are like forty-five minutes long on one song if I don't like that song because I don't know with um sanity can uh, better. So I really really like now. And in terms of thinking back to how I reacted to those songs at that time and how impressed I was when Now first came out. And I still really like it now. But at the time, I was like, oh, this is really good. And that was, and don't get me wrong, I I, I don't mind Nine Lives, and I really like uh, Let's Go. But I would put Kick on a par with when Now first came out, which for me personally hmm. was like a really good first single. Um, it's, it's well better than Nine Lives, for example, isn't it? it, it, yeah. it it's a significantly better song than Nine Lives. Yeah, might be close to like a sort of. I mean, Promises was a really good first single. Oh, yeah. Um, is it as good as that? Maybe I don't know. It's 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 hard. We've waited longer for it. You know what I mean? So I've got. Uh, so there's been a need. There's been a burning need in me for this. Yeah. <laughs> um, pitching, it around, so, pitching it around Promises does sort of seem around about right. Actually, now you say it, so now I sort of settled on. Let's get rocked. It's funny. My recent experiences with singles and lead singles from bands that I love. Ha hasn't been, they've all been growers. They've not been as immediate for me. 
Like the, the Scorpions have just released a new album and the album's absolutely fantastic. The single they led with is one of the weakest songs on the album, in my opinion. It's a song called Peacemaker. And it's one of the weakest songs on the album. Went through a similar thing with the Iron Maiden album where they you know, they released Writing on the Wall. So it for me, it's not unusual for me personally to hear a song and and sort of think, oh, and take a little while to to make my way with that song. But obviously today. I very much try to fast track the experience because you know yeah, I, yeah. it's my favorite band, and I, I mean, regardless of being sat here talking to you, Neil, like, that was always going to happen. You know, I was going to immerse myself in it and make myself love it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, and it's 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 true what you say though, because I mean, you think about like loads of the albums, certainly over the last you know like the last twenty or thirty years, is like let's go, good song, but does lots of miles better songs on the Def Leppard self-titled album um, than that. Um, Sparkle, uh, songs from the Sparkle Lounge, there's certainly loads of better songs on there than Nine Lives. Um, X, I'm not too sure. Um, so I think over, over like the last few albums, while those initial singles have been like good, they've been the radio songs or the commercial songs on those albums, and then those albums have gone on to sort of to be have a lot more variety and a lot more diversity um, and a lot, um, you know, and songs with a bit more gravitas and, you know, heavier songs and, and things like that. So it's, I think what you're, you're, you're sort of saying as well is we're, we're thinking along the same lines of, even though this song's called, um, sorry, even though the album's called Diamond Star Halos and there's the obvious glam nod to it, and even though this song is very much firmly, like a leopardized version of 70s glam. I mean, we'll get a bit more of this on the album, but I don't think it's going to be 15. I don't think there's going to be 15 kicks on it, put it that way. Especially if you've got two songs with like Alison Krauss on there. And there's a, and we'll come on, we'll, we'll touch briefly on what we think the new album might be like um, in a minute. Right. Can we just talk a little bit about, I know you love talking about lyrics. Okay. And you know what? <laughs> I've managed to get. I'm just going to get my phone out here, okay, 2022. I've managed to find the lyrics. Um, Loud Loudwire magazine or whatever, or their website, they've actually printed out, well, not printed out because it's not on paper, but you know what I mean. They've um, they've they've um, given us the lyrics here. Um, do you want me to read them out, or is there anything that you want to say about the lyrics before I read them out? I think you should give the people what they want, Neil, and you should sing the whole thing, surely. All right, I'll I'll do that. Um, okay, right here we go. No, I'm just gonna say it. Um, oh, by the way, did you say you thought there was a line in it that said "bowl of white lightning"? <laughs> that was uh, it, it, in written form. That was supposed to be a little joke. The this was a text I sent to Neil earlier, dear listener. The uh, it, it sounds a little bit like he says "bowl." That, that do you have my... a bowl of white lightning? Is that, is that is that possible in physics? Do you think? <laughs> I, I, unless it's a metaphor for something, maybe it's like a 1980s druggy metaphor again. I don't know. Right, what do you think? It, okay, so it's not bowl. What do you think it is? Bolt. The word bowl. Bolt. Okay. See, I thought it was ball, but you know, I mean, you're deaf in one ear, are you? And I'm going. Oh, yeah. I'm, I've lost forty percent of my hearing in this ear. So <laughs> a couple of old, <laughs> couple of old codges. Podcast about um, music, ladies and gentlemen. Two deaf guys. Yeah. <laughs> so, so you you had um. I know you had something, didn't you, as well, about like a half rhyme or something. We'll come to that in a minute. Anyway, so um, you're in my head again, and I know where it's going. 
I know I'm going to need another taste of your poison. Oh, that's a bit you had a little a bit of an issue with, but I've got a counter-argument to that. Um, you're the pulse to my motor, my electric desire. Um, you're my star-blazed rhythm. Let me dance in your fire. Actually, you know what? Just, just saying this, you can hear, you can hear like the um, the rhythm in like I'm, uh, it's not iambic pentameter, but you know when you did school, you, you yeah. did poetry at school, and then you know it's like with like poetry, it's in it's in the rhythm as well as the um, as well as the content of the words. It's the way you know it's the way they sound. Um, Joe, Joe has put into song here. Sorry to kind of call across there because yeah, the point that could be made there, but Joe has put into song here the thing he's always said around we're not the answer, my friend. Not everything has to be the answer, my friend, is blowing in the wind. Sometimes it is the dub, hubcap, diamond star, halo thing, whereby it's just about the words having a certain rhythm and it just sounds and feels cool to say. Now, yeah, that's yeah. why I sort of have a slight issue in that uh, in that first verse, but that apart, and that really is a tiny, tiny thing, It this just, even as you're saying it, it moves, doesn't it? You want to waggle your ass to this. It makes you want to move. Like, you want to waggle your ass like Phil Collin in his tight white kecks. Oh, sorry, trousers, everyone, <laughs> in the um, in the 1983 Rock of Ages uh, video. So you're the pulse to my motor, my electric desire. You're my star blaze rhythm. Let me dance in your fire. And I just can't stop it all night, every day. And I just can't stop it. I love it that way. Um, and then there's a, I don't want to kick, kick, kick your habit because you never quick, quick. That bit, you know what? That kick, 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 that quick, yeah, that brilliant that idea it's so like <laughs> simple but like clever it's like the the you know like the, the the art of songwriting and just like nailing the type of thing that the human brain likes to hear and process is they, they've got that spot on um so anyway that sounds weird when you read it out so i'm not i'll go on i don't want to kick 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 your habit my accent's coming out there because you never quick quit i gotta have it i don't want to kick 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 your habit because you never quick quit i gotta have it Nah, 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 nah. Loads and ass. Okay. Um, so won't you give me some more? I said, nah, 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 nah. So won't you give me some more? Ah, kick it. Okay, right. You're racing through my brain like a bolt of white lightning. Okay, so not. So I thought it was ball. You didn't think it was ball. You were just um, you were taking the mick out of me. Um, and I can't sleep it <laughs> off. Because your love's always striking. You're the tonic to my first. Sweet nectar of sin. I keep running away, but you keep dragging me in. It's oh, good that. Oh, the way I said, I just made it sound like there's a dragon in the song, didn't I? Um, dragon as in dragging, um, dropping the G uh, at the end. So they're the lyrics. So no bowl of white lightning. It's just there's a bolt of white lightning. What was your thing about you, your poison? What was the thing that you were... Um, needlessly unhappy about in this fun song <laughs> it would they do a thing where it just sounds a little bit like he's trying to squeeze too many syllables in in that another taste of your poison line and oddly enough because it the rhyme is with going and at, at best it's a half rhyme but given that joe sometimes joe mangles his vowels in order to make things rhythmic that's that's part of his singing style and it, it, it's lovely i absolutely adore it and he could do it with poison and he chooses not to and I just think it's a really strange decision. That, 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 that's all. That's all it was. It's a tiny, tiny yeah. little thing around it. I think just on the, the point you're up to, we were talking about white, well, white lightning. You can't say that without thinking of Steve, right? Yeah, yeah. So exactly. what, I'm probably going to get to this. What do you think this song is about? 
I think it's just like really just sort of not being able to get um, enough of someone of the uh, well, it doesn't have to be the 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 opposite sex uh, of someone that you're attracted to and sort of being addicted to them and not being able to kick kick the habit and not wanting to um, kick kick the habit, and that's why I think the half round between going and uh, uh, between going and poison is a is obviously a clever trick utilizing English literature because as you know, Paul. The way half rhymes are often employed in poetry is actually to imply some sort of dissonance or something not quite right. Things rubbing together in a way that you wouldn't expect. And obviously with this song, if you were addicted to something, um, you would want to kick kick the habit. Um, you wouldn't want to not kick kick the habit. So I think this is a very subtle literary um, way of implying that dissonance and the way that this subject matter isn't going in the way exactly how we thought. And I wanted to say, I got a degree writing shit like that, uh, Paul. So um, I hope you're proud of me. Well, I was about to say, how proud of yourself were you when you came up with that little observation? Well, you know, it's just, it, worryingly, this sort of stuff comes to be uh, quite easy. And that's why I've never got a proper job. But anyway, <laughs> there you go. <laughs> Listeners, if you could see the look on his face, honestly, so pleased with himself. That... I'm so proud. So I I don't necessarily think this is about a, a, a right. person. I'm drawing on the white lightning thing, maybe too much, but this yeah. could be about a song. If you read this as this is about an earworm, uh, which which this song personifies, then that's what this could be about. It's the song that's got in its head. And it keeps dragging him back in and he can't stop playing the damn thing. He's just hitting back to replay it over and over again. That's just a little suggestion that it need not necessarily be about the uh, human object of desire. I mean, you, you can actually read something really dark into it if it weren't such a happy tune, because you could read it as a drug reference. Uh, and again, if you were being really dark about it, you could relate that to back to the white lightning line. Evidently, I don't think that's at all intended. But I do think, given this song itself is an earworm, I think there's an argument there that this is about, this could be about a song. So what you're saying is that form is related to content. I like what you're saying. Um, and the good thing is, and I know like musical artists, what they like uh, to often say is that, you know, once that song is out there and, you know, it belongs to the people and they can make of it what they want and they can interpret how they want. So well, look, at us, give it, look at us looking deeply into the glam kick song by Def Leppard and, fi and finding some sort of interpretation. I think we're doing really well. I mean, in your degree, did you discuss Roland Barth? Does that name no. mean anything to you? Roland Barth, no. The Death of the Author. Everybody, go and look up Roland Barth, The Death of the Author. We are we are currently in the process of we're, we're, we're killing the author right here and now, Neil, and that's what Roland Barth said all written word was about, killing the author. Fantastic. Right then. Okay. Well, talking of authors and writing, and I've written some stuff down, Paul. I've written some stuff down. And the one thing I did want to write down in our excited, chaotic, instant reaction episode, rather than the, the usual slick, fully edited, thought through episodes um, that we that we try and do, is I wanted to, I did want to talk because I think it's really interesting and it's been really cool is the build up that. Def Leppard and their marketing team or their managers or the social media team or whatever they've got um, helping them um, have done in the um, build-up to this. And what I'm going to do is I'm just, I've, I've had to write it down just so I remember because I couldn't remember all of the dates. 
um, and just different things that have happened in the last 10 days and it is 10 days all of this started on the 7th of march as far as i can work it out so i like that nice round number 10 days ago there was obviously a right we're on a 10 day um, countdown to the release of the single kick and also the announcement of the new album so i'm just going to go through what's happened over the last 10 days and me and you um and a lot of us have over the last 10 days i've gone through a what i can only call as a an emotional roller coaster of trying to work out what on earth was going on and starting to like bearing in mind paul at one point i thought that this was going to be a triple album where the diamond the star and the halo was three different themes and it was going to be like the tom waits album uh bastards brawlers and ballers um but even at that point i knew that i'd been drinking too much so it's been an emotional roller coaster and in a minute we can talk about that emotional roller coaster but to put it into some context this is what's happened over the last 10 days so on the 7th of march 10 days ago um the first at least the first clip and not as obvious as everything came after um they put a clip from the 1989 bbc documentary on social media and the rock of ages documentary now funny enough i've been preparing to do a podcast on that documentary so it was very much um, in my mind and it, they showed the clip where, if anyone hasn't seen that documentary, like Joe's like narrates it, the band are very much involved in it. And they, they put the little clip on, a little 20-second clip, where Joe says, uh, people often ask me what I'm going to be when I grow up. I suppose by that, what they mean is, do you still see yourself doing this in 10 years' time? So this is in 1989, that documentary. And then he turns around and says, yeah, I can see myself doing this in 10 years' time. It then cuts to Rick Allen. And then Rick Allen is then talking on a similar theme about the longevity of Def Leppard and how long they can carry on for. And he says, essentially, that as long as um, they're enjoying what they're doing, as long as there's an interest in Def Leppard, then they'll be Def Leppard forever, as, uh, as, as he sees it. So I, that documentary was really on my radar. And I did think, there's something in that. You don't just put a clip from some random BBC documentary from 1989 that you can only see now, really, if you sort of find a dodgy version of it on YouTube. You don't put a little clip with where the band are talking about lasting forever and they're always being deaf laughing music. So I, as far as I'm concerned, though that doesn't go into the theme of what we're about to so talk, that was the first hint to me that there was uh, something coming. Okay, then the next day on the 8th of March, okay, we got news via social media that Def Leppard had, there was a photograph um, of Def Leppard on a stage, like in, a, in, like in, a, in an empty sort of sound set. Um, and the, and we, got, we found out that there's a Netflix program coming out, like a drama series called Bank of Dave. And it looks like the band are going to have some um, part, part in that as well. Um, from what a few people were saying on Twitter, he was like, oh, by the way, if anyone from Def Leppard is listening, if you've obviously put a load of people under a non-disclosure, just to let you know, they've all fully non-disclosed. Um, and there's a lot of people saying, I was there, but I can't tell you anything. And they never. So well done, those people. And I think now that this has come out, I think it's good that less of this came out before. Because, you know, it's been it's been like a real treat. It's genuinely been like being 12 years of age again and just like really exciting. Um, all of this. So Netflix, Bank of Dave. So we knew that they were out and about and they were doing stuff and they were together and they all, they weren't all still locked away in their houses. Okay. 
Round the 9th of March, okay, we get a tweet. I'm going by Twitter today, but all of this was on Facebook and Instagram as well. Uh, about So there's obviously the Vault website, which is the curated online museum. And there was a new collection of their stuff from Joe's Garage. Um, and then in that, what they did is there was lots of random capitalizations of what they've written in the tweets or the Facebook post. And the letters D... H and S, not the furniture. <laughs> Is that the HS or the I don't know. <laughs> right. uh, there's a furniture store. I think it might be called the HS. It's always got a sale on. Um, so yeah, there you go. The uh, H and S was randomly um, capitalized. There was a little bit of theory going around that that might mean days, hours, seconds, and it was a countdown. People who thought that weren't a million miles away from it when we see what um, happened um, later. Around the 10th of 11th of March, there was another post about the vault. And again, different sentences, but that same um, capitalization. And on the 12th of March, um, there was this is where sort of things really ramped up, I think. And then you sort of really got a sense that something was about to happen. Is They posted a picture that had like a black background and it had some like astrological um sort of symbols on and things and stars and diamonds and but it was pretty plain um and then there was like a message to people in this in north america saying you know remember to put your clocks forward um and and there was a line there about time and there's actually the line was the clock on the wall ticks away the hours okay and again yeah, the D, the H's and the S's all put in capitals. And then there was lots of emojis as well. There was lots of diamonds. There was lots of um, stars. And there was lots of things that looked like halos. Um, and then on the 14th of March, okay, so a few days ago from when we're recording now, is when the diamond star halo.com was launched, which was like this sub Death Leopard website. That's when things got really, really exciting, where um, there was a countdown clock. Um, which was counting down. Well, initially in the UK, initially it was counting down to 10 a.m. today. Then they changed it and it was counting down to 3 p.m. And then they were counting it. Then they changed it and it was counting down to 2 o'clock. Um, so I think what happened there was it was supposed to be 10 a.m. in the States, but they did it as the UK time. Then they put it as 3 o'clock, so it cor- correlated with America. But then they realized we haven't put our clocks forward yet. <laughs> <laughs> so it was an hour ahead, and then they moved it to two. I, th- I think something like that's happened. Um, but the person who had the countdown, you had you had one job, just sort that clock out. But you know what? You sorted it in the end, so well done. Um, and then there was the tarot cards with each of the band on, and you could, and they were released sort of over the days. And then each member of the band was saying, Hi, "This is Joe from Def Leppard, and your read is." And there was like a. Like a like a line from like a fortune um, that you know if you read a tarot card out and then obviously there was a bit of speculation is like are they song titles on a new album are they um, lyrics we're still not entirely sure actually um, that hasn't been fully re- revealed because certainly none of the, none of those lines are actually in the song kick so we had that and then um, obviously that counts down today you got the premiere of the song. Um, on Radio 2 and then I think by then we we all had an idea of what was um, going on and then obviously it counts down today to the time new album announced song comes out it's on all of the streaming platforms uh, and so that's been the journey of the last 10 days Paul I'm knackered after all that how's that, <laughs> how's, how, how's that 10 day journey been for you while I sit back for a minute and listen to your, your, your lovely voice as 
a campaign, it's been immaculate, hasn't it? It's just been yeah. absolutely fabulous. They've, they've done a brilliant, brilliant job. Overall, I generally was quite relaxed. At one point, I actually said to you, early in this process, we were talking, weren't we, about what we know, what could it be, blah, blah, blah. And I said to you, we're crying this in a little bit. We know there's an album out there. This surely is building us towards the album. So I was fairly relaxed that that's the way it was going. But I've I've loved the being able to piece all the bits together. It, it A very similar campaign was run by another survivor of, well, I mentioned them quite a lot, it, it seems, when I'm on this podcast. There always seems to be parallels. But another survivor of the new wave of British heavy metal, Iron Maiden, did a very similar thing for the release of their last album. And it felt almost like the Def Leppard marketing team had taken a bit of inspiration from what had been done there. They've just completely and utterly nailed it as a campaign. Even the bits like, you know, where the tarot cards came out and you can see the little references that have now made their way into the album cover. Mm. I can't wait. One of the things I can't wait for the album is to get it and simply stare at the picture and allow other things and other references to come into, into the mind the obvious one was the one on Joe had the high and dry diver yeah. uh, on his tarot card. There's loads of little references like that that came out as as these as these as these pictures started to develop. It's yeah, it's been absolutely fantastic. It's been a, it's really added to the whole experience because it's the anti Taylor Swift, isn't it? You referenced Taylor Swift in a, yeah, in a yeah. conversation and just out of nowhere. And it's it's the complete opposite of that. It's deliberately building that tension. It's the Jaws music before the, the shark takes its bite. It's been brilliantly done. It's really added to the whole thing and it's made it feel like an experience and a shared one. In a social media world, we all get to share this together. So you're not it's not an isolated experience. And that that's a nice that's a nice thing. Yeah, no, it's 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 been great. And what what's been really interesting, um, Massive shout out to Rock Brigade Forum and all the people who are involved in that, by the way, because they've been really good at like, you know, posting things and piecing this together and sending the emails as things have come out. And um, for, for anyone who, who's not on that Rock Brigade Forum, honestly, just get on it because the people who run it are great. They all know this stuff like amazingly well. And I can genuinely say that what they've been doing and what Def Leppard have been doing and then like sort of like what people in the Def Leppard community on social media, it's been a real coming together over the last 10 days and everyone going, oh, do you think it's this? And do you think it's that? And like, sort of everyone sharing thoughts and getting really excited about it. And early on, I mentioned about um, being like, you know, I was like 12 or something. I'd be like really excited. And what's really interesting is we're actually coming up to the 30th anniversary of Adrenalize. That was released at the end of March. I think it was the 30th of March. And... So there's been things getting shared around um, on the Rock Brigade forum and different social media in terms of 30 years ago, Let's Get Rocked was the big single that came out and it was premiered on like Radio 1 and like, you know, everyone like, you know, stayed off school or sort of like bumped off work to go to go and listen. And it was a big thing. The premiere was on, you know, the BBC radio and, you know, it was, you know, it was much anticipated and it was like really sort of excited. And, I think it's dead. I'm sure it's just by fluke, not by, not by design necessarily. But this experience, in terms of the excitement, the build-up, has mirrored that 30 years ago for me with Adrenalize, where it's um, been really built up. And I think what's also helped um, Death Leopard with this is that it's other bands. And what I mean by that 
is that older rock bands or an old and older metal bands and older like melodic rock bands you have been releasing songs and albums over the last couple of years and they're all releasing really good stuff so whether it's that journey single that came out um, last year that's really good whether it's the iron maiden stuff that you mentioned that's been really good there's a new thunder single that um, came out um sun in the western sky or something that's a really good um as well even like little things like i mean when i heard this song as well you can, one thing i would say is it's a young band they were younger than Def leopard and we know where they get their um, inspiration from but and we know that joe elliott and phil Collins are a big fan of the struts this sounds like a song the kick sounds to be a lot like a song that could be like on a struts album as well so it, it's a weird one you, you, you could imagine that not necessarily Def Leppard are going we're going to sell it we're going to write a song that sounds like the struts but phil and joe were obviously featured on a song on the struts album and that feeds in and they're obviously harking back to the 70s and that whole glam theme um as well so there's a lot of music around and about them that's really good that has sort of laid the groundwork for you to expect this death leopard stuff to be good and it, and it is as well and then the last thing they'll say i'm going i'm banging on i paul i'm sorry um <laughs> people tuned in for you mate <laughs> no 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 was, the, the other thing i would say as well is what really excites me about this new album is just the effort that seems to be going into it so this marketing campaign uh, that we've talked about, the quality of this first single, probably the best album cover since Hysteria, um, I would say. The thing, it's a fan's album cover as well because it's got that Iron Maiden Somewhere in Time thing going on where there's like, I mean, not to that extent, but there's lots of references and like, I think it's a bit of a fanboy or fangirl um, album cover where those of us, you know, who are like fully into the band and like not like, fair weather fans we'll see lots of little known references in there we all love that don't we you know we all like uh, that's what i meant like in terms of one of the things i'm so looking forward to when i get the when i get my vinyl copy is exactly that is having a piece of artwork to pour over because i don't think that's been the case with death leopard i actually really enjoyed having said that i really enjoyed the cover of the last album i I bought the t-shirt so i really really liked it but yeah, generally speaking, they've not been album covers you can pour over like you can with Hysteria, for example. So yeah, that's been that's been just another touch. I suppose what you're getting is that there seems to be a sense of belief. This seems to be presenting a belief that what they have here is something that's pretty special. That yeah. that's what that's the that's the image or the what's the word I'm looking for? That's the impression that they're putting yeah. across here. That they've actually got something pretty special on their hands. Okay, so let, let, let's finish up. We're not going to do a big massive talk about the new album because I think, you know, we're, we're just trying to digest it all coming in today. Part of me sort of doesn't want to look at the song. I've looked into some of the song titles and I know we know a little bit about it. Um, it's weird. Part of me, it's like it's almost too much. My head might fall off. I think maybe I just need to just park the album for a minute, just enjoy the song and maybe think about what this album's going to be like. And we, I, I, we'll do a separate episode previewing and looking forward to that album but i do want to do initial sort of impressions um from the bit of information that's coming out about this album that you've managed to sort of you know grab hold of today between you know um curb crawling around king's cross or whatever you've been doing (laughs) um what 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 exactly uh, what what are you thinking this album's going to be like what what are your sort of thoughts on it so there are some bits that immediately did beg 
deeper inspection and again maybe for a, a deeper conversation it may be for another time but there's three names that i think are worthy of mention those names are mike garson alison kraus and dave bassett which for some listeners by the way there is a fabulously obscure deaf leopard reference in the name dave bassett tell them what it is come on tell them by, by the way i'm gonna forget so i'm just gonna jump in now um the person who told us about Kick being co being a co-writer with Phil Collin and this Dave Bassett was um nice fella called Richard uh, Richard Evans um on Twitter and he put out on Twitter earlier and then I've been trying to verify it all day and find out where did where did you get that from? And I, I tweeted him earlier and he told me so thanks loads for coming back to us on that, Richard. The sense if you go into the Spotify credits, uh, which I hadn't thought to do, um, because I'm old. Um uh, then it tells you who wrote the song. So Kick is written by Phil Collin and Dave Bassett. That's a surprise to me. I would have thought this sound like it had Joe all over it, to be honest. But that's why we're talking about Dave Bassett. Tell tell everyone the Dave Bassett thing, um, Paul. I think everybody, most people listening to this will be familiar with the Dom Valley show. And we'll remember that when Joe comes out for Love Bites, he's wearing a Sheffield United shirt Sheffield United are a soccer team here in the UK and they were once man so Steve Steve Joe is a big fan of Sheffield United and they were once managed by a guy named Dave Bassett who is something of a kind of comedy figure in I would say British English football culture is that a fair thing to say Neil he's he's quite a funny character yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, he was he was around. Obviously, he was around a lot, like in the in the eighties um, and early nineties. So, do we think that former Wimbledon and Sheffield United manager Dave Bassett does have a writing credit um, on the song "Kick"? Or, or have we found it? Because I'll be honest with you, I haven't had the chance to look. Have we found anything out about um, another possible Dave Bassett who exists in the world, or is it Sheffield United former manager? Let's say it is the Sheffield United former manager, even though. Yeah, let's say it is. But I will say, again, thanks, Richard. I follow you on Twitter. Uh, I know you haven't followed me back, Richard, but don't worry, I don't take it personally. And <laughs> uh, I, uh, I I, hadn't, in all the stuff I'd read, I'd forgotten that it was you. And it was one of my favourite little tidbits from the whole thing. I've really had fun digging into the Dave Bassett stuff today. So, yeah, maybe there'll be another time where we can talk about it in more detail. But I do really appreciate that. The um the Alison Krauss thing I mentioned Alison Krauss she's obviously worked with Robert Plant and she sings on two songs here. There is a really good interview that I must point people towards on PlanetRadio.co.uk where Joe talks in a bit more detail about how Alison Krauss and Mike Garson, who had a lengthy career playing with David Bowie, about how they got involved in the album. And th- their involvement is really quite interesting when you dig into this li- this little interview. So that's something that that's there's just another layer of intrigue there in terms of the album. You know, we talk, we talk build up and how much intrigue there is. It's so that really stood out. There was one other little thing that stood out, and I didn't know whether to turn the tables on you here, Neil, and give you a tiny little quiz and whether you, you want to do this or not. No, let's do it. Let's do it. If, if if I fall if I fall flat on my face, let's just say I've had a really hard day. That's yeah. And you know what? You have. That's my excuse. Everyone was everyone was getting excited and loads of stuff going on. Death Leopard and I, I I just I couldn't get involved in any of it. 
due to uh, due to work. Oh, it kill absolutely kills. Look, <laughs> you can't see it, right? Just to show you. Look how many oh god, just look how many <laughs> drugs I've got in me. Yeah, it's absolutely <laughs> banging. I was like, oh, I want to do this podcast. I want to get out. I've never done an immediate reaction one before. Um, oh yeah, the head's melted today. But it's mostly been down to excitement. So go on, let's crack on. Let's let's do the quiz thing. Let's see how I get on. I know you don't want to get too deep into track listings, but have you got the track listing in front of you? I have. Right, lovely. There is a song on there. It's the uh, that is also the title. Again, sorry to bring them up, but it's an immediate thing. Uh, that is also the title of an Iron Maiden song. Yeah, you know which one it from is. Here to bit- from here to eternity. Okay, so the real quiz, office style. The real quiz here is that that is the second time Iron, Ma- uh, Iron Maiden an Iron Maiden song title has appeared on a Def Leppard album. So the question is, which was the first? I've got to be very, very careful about dead air here, uh, Paul. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to talk while I'm thinking. However, as we as we speak, I realise that I can't do two things at once. I'll tell you what, I'll go I off can't... and I'll I'll, 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 shall I read everyone some fun news headlines or the latest scores in the Europa League? Or is there an American sport happening right now for our American listeners? I can maybe No, let, 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 let's not do that. I'll tell you what, let's, let's have me admit defeat and not give it any thought if you just tell us. It's only the good die young that appeared on songs from the Sparkle Lounge. The last song on Seven Son of a Seven Son. Only the good die young. Yeah, which was all to last forever. Yeah, that's the one. That's the I made one, by the way, everyone, not the Def Leppard one. And and similarly, not the Billy Joel one, because of course there is a Billy Joel song called Die Die Young. So, not the same song. But uh, yeah, so that that just stood out. It was just a funny thing that that stood out to me. So. Overall, you could say that what I've not got round to doing is deciding what I'm going to buy, because it is a minefield out there. Yeah, let's just explain this. Um, what? <coughs> Sorry, he's just coughing. And um, that'll be in there. So, what I suggest everyone do: just go to like the Death Leopard Facebook page. They then give you a link that takes you to links to all of the various sites where you could get different types of exclusive releases of this. I mean, by my last count, there's about four million different <laughs> versions of this album that you can get. There's all different. There's all different bundles, and you can get something. I mean, so like HMV, for example, here in the UK, you can get a lovely red and yellow. By the way, it's double vinyl as well, so it's amazing. And you get you get red and yellow double vinyl, but you can only get that in HMV. Then there's somewhere else where there's a clear vinyl. There's somewhere else where there's a picture disc. Actually, right, people can help us out here. The picture disc looks amazing, but I worry about picture discs for because back in the day, picture discs always sounded awful. So if anyone who knows about vinyl, can they just let us know in this day and age, do picture discs still sound terrible or do they just sound the same as black vinyl now and like, you know, technology um, has improved? Have you got any thoughts on which one you're going to get? It's out on tape. It's out on CD, it's out on Deluxe CD. It's got two extra songs on that. That one, Paul, we've got 17 songs on it. Uh, but the, the, those two songs are different versions of a couple of the songs that are already on there. But what, what, what are you thinking at the moment? It, oh, I've got it. We are doing a tiny bit of penny pinching at the moment for perfectly fine reasons. Money to worry about me, <laughs> for perfectly okay. fine reasons. It's all, like, it's all the money you're spending on prostitutes, Paul, clearly. <laughs> <laughs> if only if only people could actually as well as the fact that I am in King's Cross and alone for the evening, if only people could see the actual bedroom that I'm in, 
They, they really, really is very seedy. I I haven't made my mind up is the short answer. I, I, I am having to penny pinch a bit at the moment. So I, like I saw the 79 quid vinyl bundle is the picture disc, the clear disc and the black vinyl all in one bundle. But then on top of that, you're not getting the two versions that you might get with the deluxe CD version. So then what am I doing? I'm adding another 15 quid onto it. It is an absolute minefield. Uh, if I'm honest, I'll probably end up settling on the gatefold double vinyl black LP and just buy the two LP set. But I mean, the trouble is because I'm going to end up buying something related to Adrenalize quite soon because I don't know whether they're going to do any co-promotion on 30 years of Adrenalize. But yeah, so chances are I'm going to end up buying something. And we've got the record store day thing that I know we talked about oh. it on the podcast last year, but that's coming up again soon. And there is a Def Leppard release, which is a picture yeah, disc. So, yeah, so for anyone who doesn't know, that's the high and dry picture disc. Does it, I think that comes out before the album. That might be a good tester, actually, to find out how. Because I'll buy that anyway, because even if it sounds terrible, I'll just stick it on my wall up there because it'll look cool. Um, <laughs> so. Yeah, I'm, I'm definitely going to be buying it as well. So I'll have a, I'll have a similar... Sort of so that, oh, you know the other version as well. Um, you know the Def Leppard Vault. There's yes. an exclusive version through that as well. Like you can um, you can pre-order, which has got like some a sign what a sign lithograph. I don't really know what a lithograph is, and also this sign lithograph. I want to know if that's wet ink on there, like the band have actually signed it, or whether it's just a, a print. print of mm. an autograph because. You know that's different. You know the, the the the. But do you know what a lithograph is? Because I'll be honest with you, I, I don't entirely know what is it. Isn't it just is? a picture? Isn't it just a picture? Is is that what lith- there's people screaming now at their uh, at their phones slash radios? Isn't there? Is it not just a picture? A lithograph. There's there's the adrenalized lithograph thingy box set fan club mahogany box lithograph thing from the early 90s. <laughs> so if anyone's got that, just tell us what a lithograph is. Uh, I don't think I've ever been on a podcast before, Paul, and asked um, people who were listening so many questions. So yeah. <laughs> you can tell this is definitely um, much more impromptu than what we normally do because it tends to try and work this stuff out uh, beforehand. Right, Paul, I'm going to I'm gonna let you um, do whatever you're doing uh, with <laughs> the rest of your uh, night. Before you go... It's been a good day, hasn't it? It's been a good Def Leppard day. Yeah, it's been, obviously, it's been absolutely magnificent. We're always made to wait for these things. And maybe there's an element of melancholy to that because the boys aren't getting any younger. If it's another seven years, you know, we've, who knows? This, this might be, you've got to be thinking, this might be the last time now with some of these legacy bands. Hopefully not. But that might just add another, if you want another little layer of intrigue, another little layer of spice, then uh, then, then there it is for you. But there's, there's, so, there's so much in this. And I, I am, the funny thing is, with, with Kit, given what I am planning to do this evening, which I think we're all now quite clear on what that is, Kick seems to me like a pretty good soundtrack for it. Yeah, definitely. Before you go, because of what you said, I'm just going to add one little thing. I'm going to drag you down now into the gutter, then, but I'm going to bring you back up again into a happy place. Uh, one song that I did notice on the track list, and um, number, track number eight on this new album is going to be called is called Goodbye for Good. Now, all you conspiracy theorists out there uh, might be trying to think a Def Leppard trying to tell us a message. However, there are a couple of interviews knocking around today. There's a Billboard one, and I think there's a Planet Rock one, and I can't remember which one it is, but in that, 
Um, Joe speaks very effusively of the fact that this is Def Leppard's 45th year, but as he sees it, there's no reason why there won't be a 50th, a 55th, or even a 60th year. So I would say if anyone's looking at that thinking, oh, good, bad, good, what does that mean? I think certainly the intention of the band at the moment is there is still a lot of legs left in this band, as we've seen with that new single today, Kick, which has been absolutely brilliant. Paul, I'm off to listen to it again. I think you're going to go off and listen to it again. So I'll let you go. And um, thank you very much for joining me. Bye. See you, mate.